Welcome to Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, and I'm joined today by Lydia Noor. Each week, I interview coaches and spiritual explorers from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. This interview is part of a self-care series called Life in Full Bloom, Living from the Inside Out. Lydia combines her passion for health and wellness to inspire women to lean inward and connect with themselves on a soul level so they can experience life in an authentic and fulfilling way. She believes a body, mind, and soul approach is the healthiest way to live and will set you up for a thriving existence. Welcome to the podcast, Lydia. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That was such a beautiful introduction. And that just that embodies it. You know, I was almost going to say the end. <laughs> We're done. That's good. That's it. That was beautiful. Thank you. I always start the podcast with the same question. And we were talking a little bit beforehand that you had listened to some of the podcasts. So you know, it's my favorite. And that is what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your business? Well, first of all, one in the same, because the work I do is largely um, inspired by my own personal journey. So, so, the, so when I speak, I speak really from, a, from always from a personal and a professional perspective. Um, and I love, love, love this question because the seasons are so symbolic. So my answer to you is going to be all about symbolism and how I feel that seasons represent the transitions. It helps us understand the transitions that we go through and how they impact our mindset and our actions throughout our life. So for example, if we look at the season symbolically, Cindy, um, springtime, for example, is those are the formative years. Those are the years when we're, we're young, let's say, you know, from our youth up into our 20s. And as we grow and we mature, you know, we consume and the nourishment that springtime can offer us in the form of mentorships and education, friendships, other experiences. And they prepare us for what's to come in the next season, in the heat of the next season, which is the summer, Right. And summer is when you've grown up. So I would say this period is somewhere in your 20s to maybe your 50s, mid 50s, give or take a decade or so. And this is the time when you're building, you're building businesses and you're building relationships and you're, um, you know, you're just a warrior out there in the world. And who you become in this period of your life in the summer season to me is, is that person who contributes all of those things that they've learned from those friendships and those mentorships and, and the business development and all of that. And that creates the, the, you know, the making of your harvest, if you will, or your legacy. And that's the autumn season of your life where you get to reap what you sow. And then, you know, it kind of goes back full circle, everything that you, you know, emerged into from the springtime to now, you know, eventually falls back into the winter season. And this cycle will happen multiple times throughout your lifetime. You often hear of people at their stage in life, for example, where I am, and I'm a perfect example of this because I am reinventing myself. You know, this is my second career. I've had a whole life prior to this point in my life, and now I'm reemerging again. So I'm in, uh, I'm definitely in that summer season right now, um, looking forward to reaping what I sow, but I've already reaped what I've sown in a prior life too. So it's cyclical. It happens over and over again. Oh, Lydia, I love that. And I love that you say that you're reinventing yourself now, because I think after we've had those 
careers, maybe in the past, that it's so important to keep reinventing ourselves and moving forward. Absolutely. And and I think the other really important part is that, you know, I, and I want to make sure that I, I make this point really clearly, because it's not about, oh, gosh, you know, in my 20s to my 50s was the summertime was like the prime time of my life. And now everything's downhill from here. A, it does repeat, as I said, and B, I think the beauty is really, really embracing those seasons to understand that whatever amount of time you spend in those seasons and the things you learn and the experiences you have in those seasons are preparing you for what's to come. Because there is this beautiful point in your life, and I've been there, Cindy, and we'll talk about it later, where you get to look back on all of that and you get to weave the threads and understand how, you know, what you experienced in an earlier part of your life has landed you in the place you're at. And it really is like connecting the dots. It is like the, you know, the flowing of the seasons from one into the next. And it's an incredible experience. Thank you so much, Lydia, for going into that, because that is just beautiful. Now you see why that's my favorite question. Such a good one. Yeah. (laughs) So I would love for you to share your journey to self-awareness and joy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to start by telling you that joy for me comes in the form of finding inner peace. So for me, there was a missing piece in my life. And that missing piece was inner peace. And when I found that, I found true happiness, I found my joy. But there's a whole backstory that goes along with it. And so it looks something like this. So I was married for 20 years to an incredible man. Um, We had three beautiful daughters. I had a career as a registered dietitian for 25 years. I had a lot of interesting experiences uh, within that, that, that career. And from the outside in looking in, kind of had it all. And I did, you know, I knew I was very blessed, created this beautiful life together. But at some point in my early 40s, Cindy, I started to feel restless. I started to really acknowledge that there's something missing inside of me. There's an inner happiness that I'm lacking. And I didn't know how to address it, how to find it. I almost felt guilty for admitting it, to be honest, because again, you know, from looking, looking from the outside in, my life was really blessed. And it was, you know, for all intents and purposes, but there was something niggling at me. And I would tell my husband and he'd say, well, just figure it out. Just, just do what makes you happy, you know? And, and, and at the same time, he'd say, do what makes you happy, but also don't spend too much time trying to figure it out because just be present, enjoy what you have, what's happening in front of you right here and now, like, this is the good stuff, you know, stop dwelling on, you know, some of the highlights of the past or not knowing what's going to come in the future, just enjoy. And I thought, you know, it just, you make it sound so easy and yet somehow for me, it's not. And so, you know, I, I knew if I didn't figure it out, that it would grow bigger and bigger, it would become this beast. So that was something that I was just sitting and wrestling with. But again, at the same time, life was busy too, right? My husband traveled a lot for business. My daughters were busy. I had three girls in four years. It was a busy household and they were pretty young at that time. So I just said, you know, relax a little bit. Maybe it'll just sort itself out. Fast forward a few years from there. And again, my husband is traveling a lot on business. And I can see over time that he's getting tired. This is wearing him down. And we always had this check-in point, Cindy, where we'd say, are you happy? You know, are you happy? Is this okay? Because if it's not, we can talk about it and see what we need to do to make things better. But he said, no, I'm really, really good. He had taken on a new position in a company, a big position, required a lot of travel. And he said, it's a grind. Like I'm I'm working hard, I'm traveling hard, but you know, I'm building and and I love it though. I said, great, check-in point. One day, Cindy, I drop him off at the airport on a five-day whirlwind trip to China. And I remember my heart was really heavy as I as he walked away from the car because I thought, there he goes again. I can see he doesn't have the energy for this kind of travel anymore. 
And three days later, I got a phone call at three o'clock in the morning. And when I saw the name of his boss's, you know, his boss's name on the caller ID, I just said, no, no. And I picked up the phone. I didn't even say hello. I said, what happened? And he said, we don't know, but your husband is dead. And ultimately it was his heart that gave out. And quite frankly, I wasn't 100% surprised just because of what I had witnessed leading up to that time. And I'd seen a shift in his energy, not just fatigue, just his spiritual energy. You know, he seemed to be melancholy for the last few months before this, this happened. And it was uncharacteristic of him to be quieter in his demeanor. And so when I got the news, as devastating as it was, it wasn't entirely a shock. But what happened in those early hours following that news was the most incredible experience for me. And I always say to people now looking back, his passing was without question my spiritual awakening. Because I remember very soon after getting the news, and again, you have to remember it's three o'clock in the morning, so I'm not waking anybody up. I'm not waking my children. I'm not calling anybody because really, what is calling them at three in the morning going to do to change what's happened? I'm just sitting with what I've learned. And I remember this immense sense of gratitude and love embracing me. And I felt a connection to him so closely. I mean, I knew I wasn't in shock. I knew what happened, but I just felt such a connection to him. And I knew that this was something bigger at work in my life. I said to myself, what is going on here? Because you've just gone from this woman who's searching, searching, searching for something more and more meaning, this woman who's struggling with her inner happiness to just feeling this immense amount of love surrounding you and a connection to someone in your life whose physical presence is no longer there. And that sense that I had of something bigger at work in my life was definitely confirmed for me in the days and weeks that followed. I definitely saw examples and incidences of spirit at work in my life. And I wanted to chase that. I wanted to to hold on to that so much. And so my journey moving forward from that point was to read as much as I could about what happens when we die and to spend time in nature getting quiet and really focusing on just the moment. And I remember I had this, this super aha moment. I'm going to call it my come to Jesus moment. And it was so small and I think that's what they, they usually are. They're not monumental by any means. But it was such a small moment. I was sitting in nature and I was just lost in watching the water. And all of a sudden I went, oh my goodness, I'm not thinking about all that I've just been through and I'm not worrying about what's yet to come. I realized when I was present that I was completely peaceful and that was my really big aha moment. And I went, this is huge. Like, I need to do something with this. This is really big news. You know, this is finding your inner peace. To me, that was such an, a, an awakening and such a beautiful moment that I thought more people need to find this because let's go back now to that restless woman that I used to call myself, you know, the midlife wife. There's more to life. You know, what is my purpose outside of, you know, these four walls? Who am I? And I realized that there are so many people like me out there. And if you can get in touch with that, most authentic part of yourself, your inner spirit, that part of you that knows you better than anything else, that part of you that when you get really quiet, thoughts and ideas and emotions and feelings come to you and you know it's something else at work in your life. People needed to have this. People needed to, to feel this, to know it, to know that they were capable of finding their own happiness within themselves. I knew it was a, it was sounded so simple, but I knew there were so many people out there just like me who would benefit from the message. And so what I did was I combined work experience that I had had previously in my work as a dietitian. 
I had worked in media, I had spoken from the stage and I said, okay, this is a platform I really love. But now the message is about a holistic well being. It's about the wellness of your body, your mind and your soul. And this is how you do it. And I started developing keynotes and workshops on how you get to that most authentic place. So you can live from a place that feels rooted in authenticity and assuredness that aligns with who you are, your values, your beliefs, and that that's uniquely your own. Lydia, thank you for sharing that story. That touched my heart immensely. And and I want you to know, I'm conveying my condolences to thank you. you. Thank you so much. Those days and weeks after when you said you were had signs over and over, what did they feel like? What did they look like? They, they came in different ways. Um, the very first night after my husband died, I remember waking up in the middle of the night to a white light, literally a swirling white light. It was coming at me and retreating and coming at me and retreating. And there was no question in my mind that that was his energy. And I'm not sure what the, what the message was, whether it was trying to come back to me or just to letting me know he was right there. But I knew that that energy does exist, spiritual energy. Little things from some of the readings I would do, I would read something about someone might, who might have lost a, a loved one and, and signs that they looked for. For example, people would say, if there's a song that reminds you of your loved one, you know, it'll come on the radio at this time when you just need that uplifting. And I remember reading a story about a woman who said she and her sister had a special song and there was something about a certain color of a car or a pickup truck or something that reminded her of her sister. And she said, sure enough, one day she saw this lime green pickup truck and the song that reminded her of her sister came on and she knew that was her sister's spirit close by. And I remember when I was reading that very chapter, a, a tune, a melody started playing in my head, Cindy, and I couldn't pinpoint it right away. It was the intro to a song. And it took me a moment to, to sort of ground myself and say, why is this in my head? Oh, yeah. And it was a song by the band named Boston. I don't know if you're familiar with the band Boston, but the song is called More Than a Feeling. And I thought to myself as I was reading, you know, why is this song in my head? And the only thing I could think about was that Mike and I used to listen to a lot of that band when we were younger in our early dating years. Sure enough, Cindy, I turned the page. Like I finished the reading that chapter. I turned the page and the next chapter is called More Than a Feeling. And I just went, Okay, you know, that's that's just those synchronicities. That's just how it works. So it's little things. And again, you know, a lot of this comes down to faith. It comes down to what you choose to believe. I've I, I'm not a person to push. I will share my experiences openly. I certainly won't push that you should look for those signs yourself. If you want to, I'll encourage you and I'll try and help you find ways to to see those things. But it really comes down to what you choose to believe. And it's what makes you feel good and better about your journey. As I'm hearing you talk and you said, it's what you choose to believe. It's your mindset as well. Absolutely. Choosing to believe. Absolutely. And a positive mindset. So there's, a, there's another thing. And I think I might jump ahead. I know you and I were going to talk about this later about mindset. One of the other things that was really, really pivotal for me, and I think it was another example of me seeing something bigger at work in my life, because again, remember, there was this woman who a few years earlier was struggling with finding that inner happiness. What is it I'm missing? Outside of the, the, um, the memories and the love that I felt after my husband died, I had such gratitude, like, like so much gratitude for the family we created. The, he loved to travel. I mean, outside of work, family trips were really important. And his thinking behind those were that these are the memories we're creating for our kids. And you know, they'll never, they'll always have them. They don't care about a new piece of furniture. You know, they don't care what we're driving. They care about the memories. And 
I just remember being so grateful for all of that. And again, I thought, okay, you have just lost your husband. You have just gotten this call at three in the morning, no forewarning. How is it that you are feeling such immense gratitude? And again, to me, that was another sign of something at work in my life. Something is helping me along in these early moments. And the way that I was able to reframe my thinking and my mindset right away to me was also very much in line with the way Mike used to look at life and the lens he used to look at things through. And I really felt that there was a bit of a transformative experience there. A lot of, and you can't be with somebody that long. We were together 25 years all in. So that, you know, that you become a part of that person too. But to really embody it so easily, rapidly after such an event said to me, there's a lot at work here. There's a lot going on here. You know, we're not, we weren't just connected in a physical sense in our lives, you know, on earth, we were connected on a soul level for sure. There was no question in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. The the soul level, the the energy. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about you writing morning pages because mm-hmm. you had mentioned that you've um, written morning pages for the last two years. Yes. So for someone who may be listening and they don't know what that is, can you tell tell us what that is and how it has benefited you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I do two types of writing, but I will, I want to talk to you about morning pages first, for sure. Morning pages are something that I learned about through an art, um, an author called Julia Cameron. She's written a couple of books. One is The Artist's Way. I happen to read another book of hers called uh, It's Never Too Late to Begin Again. But in both of them, she speaks about morning pages. And really what they are is they're just, they're either three pages or give or take 20 minutes of writing, longhand, just stream of consciousness, whatever is on your mind. They don't have to make any sense. They're not intended to be for anything other than for your benefit and there for you to get your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings down. So when I go back and I read my morning pages, Cindy, like they're all over the map. I might be talking about something, but the idea is to do them the minute you wake up in the morning so that whatever is on your brain, whether you want to put a dream you had down on the page just to remember it, or whether something kept you up at night and you want to write that down. It's really just to give you some clarity. It's a place to unload. It's a place maybe to prioritize what you want to do for your day. I mean, you can put things down like tasks that you need to get done. It's just a place to unload whatever is in your brain to clear it all out of your head and then park it. And you can go back to it later if you need to. But the idea is to do this. It becomes a routine. And it's so interesting because I find that Um, If I don't do them, which I do every day, but if I happen to miss a day, something's missing in my day. Even if I I don't always write three pages, I've got to write something just to get the thoughts down. It's kind of like a brain dump, right? It's exactly what it is. That is exactly what it is. And now I've also engaged in another type of writing. And again, you know, prompted by the same author, Julia Cameron, and this was more memoir writing. Um, And that was a really interesting experience. And I've taken some components of what my experience was with that and created a workshop from it for my own um, clients and subscribers. And this is about um, really tapping into your creativity, but she has very targeted prompts and you take segments of your life. So you'll take your age, let's just say, we'll use a round number of 48 and divide it by 12. So you'll do this over 12 weeks. And so you'll take your life in segments of four, right? Four divided four by 12 is 48. And you will will use guided prompts. You know, who were the key players in your life? Who were your friends? Where did you live? What was your favorite food, your music? All these things. And inevitably, you're going to start to see the threads weave, right? You're going to start to see, 
oh yeah, like I didn't remember this when I was a kid, but now that makes perfect sense because this is what I love to do now. And it's all designed to help you sort of see that as a child, we all have a creative side. What we loved as kids inevitably will find its way back into our life. And I saw this firsthand because as I was doing these pages in my early years, I remember that I loved to sing. I, I would spend hours in my parents' basement for no one's ears but my own, singing my heart out, imagining myself as whoever I was listening to, you know, Olivia Newton-John or Cher or Barbara Streisand, who was my favorite, imagining myself as that artist, never voicing openly to anybody else that this is what I would love to do, you know, because I was too shy. Fast forward to my career, as I told you, working in media. And I remember there was something in that experience that lit me up. You know, I loved the stage. I loved having an engaged audience. So I knew that using my voice was something that was really important for me to do. Hence the reason I've continued on this journey. But my message is now something that really resonates with my soul. I hadn't heard about journaling in that way. So can you just talk just a little bit about your program that you've got where you yeah. teach that? Well, it's it's essentially modeled after Julia Cameron's program. And I'm, I'm actually trying to figure out the, I've been asked to deliver the program, but in a much tighter window. So I'm trying to figure out if I can just do a really micro version of it um, because where I've been asked to do it is actually at some retreats, some um, wellness retreats. And so it's where I have a window of time to get people writing down on the page. But I think the best way to do that, and I'm, I'm sort of working through some of the logistics of it, is just to get people to get the idea of what it is, and then they can go off and continue it through the different segments of their life, but to get them understanding what the process is. Sometimes we're so busy mm -hmm. in our lives that it, to go back to just to pick an age, whether it's 48, 35, whatever it is, and really focus on that time frame can be really enlightening, lightning, like you said, because it shows how everything is connected, mm -hmm. but it also gives you that reflection time to think about things that you may have. And I'm not going to say that you wish you would have done differently because we can't go back and do them differently, but kind of reframe things if something happened during that, that age yes, and reframe them. Absolutely. I agree. And I, and I had that very experience myself. I know when I got to a certain point of time in my life, I remember sort of sitting back, taking a deep breath and saying, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be a really difficult one to write about because this was a very emotional time. This was the time, you know, that period of time where my husband passed away. And then I subsequently had, you know, my own illness a year and a half later, it was a really dark time. And so I knew that that would take a lot more energy out of me writing. And sometimes you sit back and go, I don't want to write about this period because you already feel that it's going to be dark. But again, getting it on the page is a way of unloading it. And so it's a really cathartic and therapeutic experience as well. And, and doing something like that, this was my own personal experience, Cindy, you know, it's not for everybody. The idea behind doing something like this really is just for your own benefit. I think everybody should have their story even just for themselves on the page. So they really get us that, you know, can really look at the whole picture. Um, but for me, it was beautiful because it afforded me an opportunity to be a contributing author in a book and going through that exercise. I already had parts of my story because I delivered it in a keynote years earlier, but to go through that exercise of, you know, who I was as a little girl and seeing the threads weave through until today was just a great way to capture it all so succinctly and you know, offer it up in, um, in a book that I was invited to contribute to. So that was so much fun. 
And it's also something for your daughters as well. Absolutely. Oh, and it's and it's fueled the excitement to write. So I mean, there's another book in me for sure, if not more than one. You know, it's it's already <laughs> underway for sure. So <clears throat> on your website, and honestly, and and I said this to you, I uh-huh. loved when I read this sentence. Discovering you is about stepping into your own uniqueness to live authentically and with purpose and using that as your superpower. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank so you. what does that actually mean to you? Well, discovering you and why, you know, you is an acronym for your own uniqueness. It was born, as I said, from my own journey of turning inward and finding my inner peace and landing in a place of total self-awareness and knowingness and revealing to me what it is I'm meant to be doing in this lifetime, revealing to me that you are connected to something bigger than yourself, yet inherently within you. And you can tap into that anytime and showing me that this is what I need to be sharing with the world. So that is the whole notion behind discovering you. It's about living authentically. It's about knowing who you are. And it's about living from that place. Because when you do, you operate on an energetic frequency that is so much greater. And and people pick up on that. People resonate with that. And people want it. People want to be around people like that. People want to be around whole, healthy people. That's a given. It's infectious. And so that is what discovering you is. And the more people I feel that I can share this with and that I can inspire to live that way will result in a world that's a happier, healthier place. So is there a first step that you take someone through when they are discovering their own uniqueness? And I'm just thinking, I'm sorry, I was just going to, I'm thinking off the top of my head, is the first step self-awareness? 100%. (laughs) And that is probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks, because even if we are self-aware, sometimes we push it down. We push a lot of things down, right? Because either we're afraid to own it, or as women, especially, we don't want to give ourselves permission to do the work to step into that place because we identify with so many other roles in our lives. And it doesn't mean that those aren't valid and important parts of our being. But when you own your own uniqueness, this isn't about living selfishly and and telling everyone else, you know, to take a back seat while you do the work you need to do or live the way you want to live. This is about stepping into all of those roles, all of those parts of ourselves that we want to be, that we identify with in the best way possible. I find that when I talk, and I've talked to a lot of women on the podcast and just women in general, that living in alignment, even though that's what they want to be doing, that for whatever reason, that's hard for them to do. And maybe alignment's not the the exactly the right word that I'm wanting to, to use, but there's something, maybe it's authentic, but there's something pulling them in these different directions that they feel like they maybe they can't live their best life authentically in alignment. Yes. And I think that makes sense. What I was trying to say, it makes perfect sense because it comes back to what we just spoke about. And that is that for whatever reason, and, and I am no less guilty of anybody else of this. And I still fall, you know, pray to this. Sometimes it's giving yourself permission to live a life that feels good for you. And I don't know why we have this stumbling block, why we feel we need to put ourselves last. And this is why women are my target audience, women just like me, because there's a million midlife wives out there 
or people who've gone through life-changing events who just say, what is this all about? There's more to life. I need to find meaning, right? True, deep meaning. And that's really that call. That's that call to action from your soul to get in touch with it. And what I would say to people when when they sort of fear it or don't understand it or um, don't want to give themselves permission, I'm like, but but you already know what you need to do. It's it's in you. It's it's your instinct. It's your gut. It's it's you know it's that part of you that loves you and that maybe it's permission to love yourself enough is is the challenge. I have a great analogy, and this is going back to the spirit because this actually came to me in a dream from my late husband, and I thought it was brilliant. And it was about expanding your heart to open it up for more love. And whether that's, you know, in a, in my case, I remember the the context was about moving forward with someone in the future. And how will I ever do that? Because the love I felt for my husband was so deep. And the analogy I was given was when you have your children, you know, when you have your first child and you're just so in love with that child and that's just, there's so much outpouring of love. And then maybe when you're expecting your second, and this happened to me, you know, I didn't say it out loud, but thinking, how can I ever love another as much as I love my first? I mean, this is just such a special thing that happened. And then I had the third and again, sort of the same feelings. But what I realized is that there's always room in your heart for more love. And so if you allow yourself to look at life that way, your heart, your heart doesn't have a capacity, you know, it doesn't have like a limited capacity for love, there's always more room. So whether that's love for a child or a partner or for the work you do, there's always more room in your heart. And so what I would say to woman, women is you have so much room in your heart. You know you do because you feel it for your children and for your partner and for all of these other, you know, I call them external things in your life. They're not. They're a part of you. But, you know, you have room to give yourself some love to. In fact, you are the most important person to give love to because you are going to be the very best version of yourself in every other part of your life if you give yourself the love first. So it's about love. Lydia, beautiful. I love it. It's perfect. I mean, everything that you're saying is just like really, really resonating with me because I am thinking about, and you've almost just convinced me that I'm going to be going to a retreat in August that I've been looking at, at the Omega Institute. And it's, and it's going to be around love. Oh, beautiful. And I think you just um, clarified for me. I need to do that. I am so happy to hear that. That's amazing. So what are three, now you did touch on these, but what are three valuable self-care behaviors one can do to ignite their inner spirit? It sounds contrary what I'm about to say, because we're talking about igniting your inner spirit. And I'm going to say, turn inward, get really quiet, get really centered, get really present and just see what comes to you. Because what's coming to you is coming to you from spirit. And um, I would also say, honor your instincts. Well, it's kind of part and parcel of what I'm saying, but really honor your intuition, you know, because again, that speaks to what you and I just spoke about with respect to women not giving themselves permission or feeling, you know, um, knowing how to align and live authentically, honor your instincts. Nobody knows you better than you. So it's, it's, it's kind of interesting when you talk about discovering you, nobody knows you better than you. So it's really about honoring what you already know. And then I would say, get grounded with breathing, get really centered, so underrated, take a step back, take a few deep breaths, close your eyes and just ground yourself in the moment. All of this is about being really, really, really present. And I'm going to add a fourth one in here. And we talked about it before, but I think it's so valuable. Gratitude is 
one of the most effective tools, I think, for, you know, being strong, for being present, for acknowledging love and gratitude in particular in those moments where there does feel like darkness um, in front of you. You know, gratitude is a way of casting white light onto that darkness. When you can find silver linings in a situation, you are growing exponentially and you are opening up your heart in that is a tool, you know, you don't need to have stickies on your mirror, you know, I'm grateful for. Um, but if you do, if you need to remind yourself, fine, do it. But to me, gratitude is just such a powerful, powerful tool for igniting your inner spirit and for just living from your heart. Lydia, I want to tell you, you have the most beautiful energy. Thank you. Thank you. You really so and truly do. Thank you. And and thank you so much for acknowledging that because that is why I do the work I do. I knew that I was completely lit up by my experience and I just want to share that with the rest of the world. The more spirits that I can help ignite, the more love will exist in, in this world. And we need that. We really yes, need that. We absolutely do. So last question. Mm-hmm. If you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell her about the season of life you're in right now? Oh, I would tell her I'm still in the heat of the summer season, but that's because I've reinvented myself again. Um, But this time I'm coming at it from a place that's rooted in a lot of self-awareness with a sense of calm and inner peace, knowing that I'm laying the foundation for what my legacy is truly going to be. Beautiful. Thank you. Tell our listeners how they can find you on social media, your website, how they can work with you. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you. My website is www.lydianor.com. So Lydia, K-N-O-R-R.com. And on my website, you can actually get access to my workshops um, and sign up, contact me there directly. You can also find me at my Instagram, which is uh, at discovering underscore Y period O period U period underscore. So I'm discovering you. And I will have all that in the show notes. Lydia, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really, truly do appreciate it. Well, you are a beautiful soul, Cindy, and I wish you so much love and uh, success moving forward. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you. Have a great rest of your weekend. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Leaving a rating and review helps to improve rankings in iTunes. It shows engagement, which may attract sponsors, and it is essential for the podcast to be discovered by new listeners. Plus, it would mean the world to me. Thanks again. Until next time, live inspired.